Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Welcome, friends. Walt and I are so glad you've joined us today. You know, there are over 600 references to water in the Bible, and we've been looking at different passages all through the Bible. And I think about it, it's like we've gone to the Red Sea, we've looked at and considered wells and cisterns, we've considered living water, fresh water. The Jordan River. The Jordan River. And we have walked our way through some different scripture passages, and we know that Water not only plays a significant role in the land of Israel, but it plays a role in God's message, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure it does. And we often say, where there's water, there's life. And so it's important that we realize that that water is a, a part of God's plan for life. And so in the Gospels, we uh, talked about this a little bit last week, Jesus performed most of his miracles around the Sea of Galilee. And we want to return there once again today. So today, we're going to begin in Matthew 14, and we're going to look at the other two Gospels that mention the same story, and that's Mark and John. The setting can be summarized in this way. Jesus has had a long day of ministry. And it's very important in today's lesson that we remember this. Jesus is fully God. Jesus is fully man. He is the God-man. So what's happening here? Well, in Matthew 14, we see in verse 12, Jesus has just learned about the brutal death of his cousin, John the Baptist, We read, and his, John the Baptist, disciples came and they took the body of John the Baptist and they buried it. And they went and they told Jesus, wow, this is a punch in the gut to Jesus. You know, Jesus, you know, knew, put put that in quotes, what had happened because why? Because he's fully God. He's all knowing. And yet it has now been reported to him that John the Baptist is dead. Jesus is fully man. Sadness, sorrow, and grief fills his heart. Jesus and John the Baptist's cousins, friends, they've ministered together. They've known each other for over 30 years. Yeah, I mean, John leapt in in his mother's womb when when Mary came. Mm. I mean, this is not a a usual... uh, just relationship of pastors in the same town. I mean, these guys, theologically, spiritually, ministry-wise, they were joined at the hip. They were in sync. They were doing exactly. And John, I mean, I love in Matthew eleven eleven earlier, Jesus said, when, when he's hearing about John in prison and what's going on, he talks about John being the forerunner, that John has been put in place. Um, from the Old Testament prophets talking about there's someone that's going to come to get ready for the way of Messiah. And he says, that's John. And he says this, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has not 
arisen anyone greater than John the Baptist. He did his job. He did it well. He did it right. And now he's been murdered by a cruel, a cruel Roman appointed ruler of the Jews, the, the son of, of the, the great um, Herod the Great. And it's just, it's just terrible. And, and, and add to that, in the midst of this, it's not just, it's a long day. This is one of the emotionally most terrible days in Jesus' life. And and as we look through the Gospels, the the disciples of Jesus have just been sent out for their, their first big ministry assignment. And they've experienced some victories, but they've also met some opposition. And, and Jesus has told them, when you do that, shake the dust off those places. And, and in some ways, they were encouraged. In other ways, they, they, they had difficulties. And they come back, and in the midst of this, they have this major thing with John going on. They find out that John the baptizer is now dead. And they come back, and they're, they're exhausted, too. And, and Jesus says, okay, there's more ministry to do. Yeah, they, they aren't, um, as those disciples went out, you know, they, they were somewhat encouraged. We talked about that. They were encouraged for what they were sent out to do, but yet, had they missed the mark, there were things they didn't accomplish, and, and they had to come back and tell Jesus that they could not heal certain people. They weren't able to follow through with the instructions that he had given them. So we've got, as Walt said, this a great emotion-filled day, the loss of John the Baptist, the disciples coming back, their They've been on this first mission trip, as it were, and they return. And then we face today, um, it, as we continue in Matthew 14, the crowds are still following Jesus. Yeah, and when we say that, it's interesting because Jesus gets in a boat and it seems like he, he wants some time away. Humanly speaking, we're saying he's trying to process this, and there's people following him along, and they come and they come, and, and Jesus is is teaching him. But then um, he says that there's there's this follows the the feeding of the five thousand, and it's five thousand men, and and um, they it's just been a major day, and and with that he tells his disciples get in the boat, go away. He he dismisses the crowd, which is an interesting point that all all three of the gospel writers say he dismisses the crowds it's time to go home it's evening it's it's really pushing into the night it's dark is now coming and then he jesus goes up on on by himself on a mountain to pray verse 23 says and which mountain that's not as important but jesus he's by himself He's he's alone with his heavenly Father, and he's talking to him. I, I have to imagine he's talking to him about all that he's seen and all that he's experienced, and asking the, his heavenly Father because remember he is truly God, but he's also truly man. And Jesus um, there, he 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 sent his disciples away, and with that that terrible news. Jesus needs time with his heavenly father. By the way, I got to stop right here, Brenda, and say, you know, when I get really busy, I'm tempted to say, I don't have time to pray. Hmm. And yeah, and, and, we're and guilty I'm, of that. And I'm, 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 I'm like so busy and I've got to get this done. And I've got to do that. Jesus was so busy. He was so into the ministry. He was so attuned and he realized I need to be with the father. 
And, mm-hmm. and, and that needs to be more of my pattern. I, I need to be with the Father. A lot of times, even as we're in the morning, we try to pray every morning together, kind of to be in sync. But sometimes in the evening, I'm tired and I'm, I've, I've been at ministry and work all day and I've counseled with people and I've done things. And I just want to relax. And, and maybe what I really need to do, not what I want to do, but what I need to do is I need to be with my Heavenly Father just as Jesus modeled. I don't need to be distracted by a phone or my TV or other people or sports or whatever it is that distracts you, even a good book. I need to make sure that when I've had a day, a hard day, a day that I need perspective, I go back and I spend time with my Heavenly Father. Yeah, and I, even as you say that, Walt, I mean, one, I really appreciate you being open and vulnerable there, but that whole idea that you pointed out, all three gospel writers say that he dismissed the crowd, and it has really, it just struck me as you were sharing, perhaps that's why he dismissed them because he knew he was at he needed he needed to plug in to his heavenly father and so he's like nope it's time you you all need to go home we you know i taught i i fed you i've put the disciples on a boat and it is time for me to go pray yeah we were talking about this i mean in, even in john's gospel he talks about jesus tells us tells his disciples apart from the father i can do Nothing. Nothing. Right. And, and when we hear that, it's like, wait, he's Jesus. He's the, he's the eternal son of God that became the God man, the Christ, the Messiah. And yet what he's modeling there is total dependence on the father. And I, I, I just think this is one of those passages that should stop us. It should arrest us and say, Oh my heavens, if that's Jesus. And he, I mean, he, how much more true is that of me? I, if apart from the Father, I, I can do nothing that will be long-lasting, impactful, blessing others, I can't do it apart from Him. Yeah, and when we read these verses, He went up on the mountain by Himself to pray. When evening came, He was there alone. And I think about how often do I really seek to spend time alone with the Lord? Yeah. Well, at this point, we probably better get on the Sea of Galilee. Yeah. So well, I'm because you... because the disciples are in a boat, we better we better go back to verse twenty-four. Get them in the Let's, boat. Get them in well, the boat. they're in the boat, but they're in trouble here. Verse twenty-four. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. They are straining at the oars. In verse 25, in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. That fourth watch we're we're looking at, it's now between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. Now, remember, these men are experienced fishermen, but they've been rowing against the waves and the wind for hours. They're exhausted. They were tired when they got in the boat emotionally, psychologically, you know, probably spiritually drained. Well, now they're physically drained because yes, they, it says that they were a long way from the land, which, you know, the Sea of Galilee isn't a big sea. We talked about that. So they're 
you know, maybe three, four miles out. But when you're three, four miles out and you're fighting the wind and the waves, that's hard. However, the story continues. The plot thickens. He came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. And they said, it is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. Once again here, we see the fear of the disciples in situations. You know, where where are we fearful in our life? Where, what are those things in our life that, that make us afraid? That's a very real emotion, and they are sensing it. Yeah, and they're not terrified because the sea is against them. They've been out on the sea in winds. Uh, they, they've experienced... And, and they're experienced fishermen and they fish at night. I mean, that all of the, they could all say, we've done this before, but all of a sudden someone walking on the sea and they're like, it's a ghost. Who is that? What's going out? And, and it, it really is a natural phenomenon to cry out. And I love what the, Matthew goes on to record immediately Jesus spoke to them. He doesn't wait, and they're upset. And he's like, oh, let's see if they can figure this out. Immediately, Jesus spoke to them. Verse 27 of Matthew 14 says, and he says, take heart. It is I. Don't be afraid. Can you you imagine hearing the Lord speak those words? Take heart. It is I. You know, I mean, sometimes I just, you know, I, I, I don't even know if I can really imagine that well. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, I've been um, out in boats. I've I've been out fishing at night. We've done that in Canada before. And, but the thought of all of a sudden, here's someone walking on, I mean, it's just, this doesn't happen very often. (laughs) Like, almost never has happened ever, you know? And, and here, this is, this is so startling. It's so unusual. It's so miraculous. You know, last week, Brenda, we talked about uh, the miracle of the calming of the storm. And we said that, that, that these guys might be men of the sea. They're fishermen. They know this, the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus is Lord of the storm. You know, here, they might, they might know how to row a boat, but they don't know how to walk on water. And, and it's so amazing. And as the story even takes one more plot, thickening going on and then we have peter matthew's the only one that talks about this and in matthew's account peter said to the lord lord if that's you like who else is out there and who else is talking to him but lord if it's you command me to come out on the water Hmm. and i mean none of the other disciples say that and 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 this is one of those examples of peter just sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth and sometimes he steps out there and he says I'm willing. I want, I, Lord. I, I'm gonna. I'll come out on the water if it's you. Just tell me. And Jesus said, "Come." And Peter gets mm. out of the boat and he walked on the water, and he came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, "Lord, save me!" And and you know, with that, Jesus immediately reaches out his hand, and he took hold of him. And he says to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? You know, the, the, the wind has stirred up these waves, and Peter looks at that, and all of a sudden he takes his eyes off Jesus. And I've heard so many sermons on this. Again, just remember, none of the other disciples got out of the boat, but Peter did. 
And in the midst of, of, this is Peter at his best, not when he says, tell me and I'll come to you, but when he says, Lord, save me, hmm. he realizes that he's in deep trouble, that without Jesus, uh, he's not going to make it. And and really, Brenda, <laughs> this complex guy called Peter, in his best moments, he trusts God, and at some of his worst moments, he's full of doubt, and that's, I can relate to that. That's me. At my best moments, I can be so full of faith, and I can be so faithful. And at my worst moments, I can get so fearful, and I can just... And and then what I need to do at those moments when I'm so afraid is, is I need to say, God, save me. Not, I know that he saved me now 45 years ago when I trusted him, but I need to just repeatedly come to him and say, God, I I need you. I desperately need you. And that's the kind of humility, really, that I think Peter models for us. If we we look at him, we kind of take off our critical glasses, so to speak, right? But we look at him and we realize, yeah, Peter's got some real outstanding strengths, but so many growth areas. And what does God do with our growth areas? He pours grace into them. Yeah. And and just even his comments. I mean, Peter's in some ways is and is going to become a giant of the faith, but he still says to him, and I think he still says says to us, oh, you have little faith. Why do we doubt? Um, I I think that, you know, that's a huge question. why do I doubt? I, I, I love the Lord. I know him. I know he saved me. I know he's changed my life. But, you know, why do I doubt? Yeah. And when I ask that question, it's one that we actually have talked about today before we started to record. You know, why do I doubt? God doesn't always answer my prayers on my timeline in the way I thought a prayer should be answered. Sometimes he even says no. I mean, he closes a door. Sometimes he makes me wait. And you know, when I get distracted, I take my eyes off Jesus and all of the sudden, I'm looking at those waves. I'm getting lost in the storm around me. What What's that storm? Well, you know, this can be my circumstance. It can be an illness. It can be difficult relationships with family, with friends, you know, I, you know, name, I, I just ask each of you, name the wind and the waves that are crashing around you today. They've, they've got, they've got names. They've got titles. They've got faces. These are different for all of us, but any of these situations, circumstances, people can distract us and draw us away from the Lord. You know, and as the story ends in verse 32, and then when they, Jesus and Peter got into the boat, the wind ceased, and the, the, the storm was over, and they're in the boat together, and those in the boat, the, the, the disciples, at the end of this terribly long day, hard day, the disciples worshipped, worshipped him, and they said, truly, you are the Son of God. And, and I love that. In the midst of their discouragement, in the midst of their struggles, in the midst of the wind and waves um, uh, that surrounded those men, they stopped and they worshiped him. And, and I would say the same thing is true for us. In the midst of those discouraging times, stop and worship. You know, we include a, a song usually with this podcast. And we ask you to, you know, listen to that song and sing it along if you know it. If you don't, just listen to it and just worship the Lord. He is truly the Son of God. 
He is the Lord that can calm the storms. He is the Lord that can walk on water because he's the creator, son of God, who made the heavens and the earth. And um, we need to remember that when things around us seem like they're going crazy. Let me just pray. Father God, I thank you for uh, the truth that you really are in charge. I thank you for the truth that your son is the creator, that your son offers us hope, that your son wants to be with us, and that your son invites us to come to him. And when we keep our eyes on him, uh, we truly are not only are saved as we've been saved in the past, but we're truly able to walk well and continue to, to grow in him. And Lord, that's our prayer. Our prayer is that we would grow closer t- to the Son of God, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And until the next time that we meet, it's our prayer that each of us will continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord. Walt and I are thankful for this opportunity to participate with the Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.